podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast with me, Phil Kitchmalides, and Sid Lowe, who's joining us from Qatar. Hello Sydney, how's it going? Hello Philip, are you alright? How's it going? How is it? How are things? It's, What's uh, it like? Well, it, it, it's very early um, to be able to tell you for sure how it's going because I got in very, very late on the Saturday night and then spent the Sunday in this absolutely enormous media centre where I am now. And this is an unusual World Cup. I mean, I don't, I don't want to bore people with the kind of the, 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 the sort of the inside of how the mechanics work. But unusually at this World Cup, they have decided that all of the pre-game press conferences are done in the same media centre. So it used to be that you go to the stadium where the game is going to be held and the day before there's a press conference in that stadium. But now they're all done in the media centre, which means that in this building today, eight different sets of managers and captains have come through wow. and spoken. So it creates this very weird situation where you don't really feel like you're following a team as such because you're following the whole thing because it's all been centralised. Except, of course, that the teams do have their training grounds. So today I've been out to see Spain train. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a little bit different. That's a little bit separate because it's not the, what they re- always refer to as match day minus one. Mm. I was thinking I might start calling Christmas Eve that. I might call it Christmas day minus <laughs> one. <laughs> I, think so. I suppose that's essentially what an advent calendar is. Advent calendars foresaw this, didn't they, by, by counting down. Um, and so, so today's been a busy day seeing Spain, uh, talking to Rodri, uh, just listened to Messi do his press conference where he admitted publicly, I think he may have said this before, that this was almost, you know, that this will be his last World Cup, um, that he's enjoying it more than ever before, which is kind of quite nice to hear, um, and how he's trying to tell his teammates, you know, it's difficult to think like this, but you never know if another World Cup's coming, so, you know, make sure you really enjoy this, uh, and that some of the pressure's been taken off, off, obviously, with the Copa America. Then, in terms of this as an event, I'm reluctant to say too much about how I feel about this as an event in terms of what's going on in Doha, because, as I say, I've spent the whole of yesterday in a media centre. I have so far spent the whole of today in a media centre. Out on the streets, I have seen basically no one, no fans. Uh, the part of the town I live in is really absolutely gigantic sort of american style wild uh, sorry wide freeways where it's 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 all about cars there isn't really a place to walk so i've had no sense of atmosphere at all um no sense of, of, of an event going on but that's probably because i haven't yet been in the places where i need to be and of course the, hopefully that will start with the first spain game against costa rica in two days time well you sound like you're in good spirits which is good to hear well, I discovered something today, which is that in the uh, lunch that they do in this media centre, for which, you know, there's only one particular type of credit card accepted, and I don't have that credit card. Luckily, you can buy what's essentially a gift voucher, which is that credit card. You can pay for it with another credit card to get that credit card with a prepaid amount on it. So I spent the whole of yesterday and didn't eat a single thing all day because I didn't have that credit card. Today I did, and they do this incredible syrup sponge with the... With the with the lunch so I was well pleased with that <laughs> awesome. good I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> alright uh, did you manage to watch the first game of the tournament last I night I did I did how um, where in the media centre, they, they've, got, okay. they've got TVs in all the press rooms, but they've also built what they're referring to as a virtual stadium, which is a little bit overplaying it. It's basically a theatre. It's, it's a cinema. It's a big screen. Um, yeah. So I watched it on that. Um, Qatar weren't very good, uh, I suppose, is the short answer to that. But it was nice to see that, that um, La Liga Club Valencia scored twice. Yes. <laughs> I like your tweet there. Uh, always, you know, 
La Liga involved in the World Cup. We did have one La Liga player involved yesterday, Gonzalo Plata of of, yes. of Valladolid, who really you know, played quite well for uh, for Ecuador, who were considerably better, considerably better than Qatar. Were you surprised how bad Qatar were? A little bit, uh, and and I'm I'm prepared to. Well, I'm not just prepared to. I, I'm I, I'm determined to reserve judgment because it may be one game in which they played particularly badly. It may be that the enormity of the event uh, played a part. It may be that Ecuador played better than we're giving them credit for, um, and, and that perhaps uh, Qatar will turn out to be a better side. I think we all allowed ourselves, and I do include myself definitely in this, to believe that because the preparation. Because of the amount of money that was put into it, and this is obviously built through the whole Aspire project, and that a lot of these guys kind of come through as almost as a collective. A lot of them play on the same team, which of course is the team that Xavi Hernandez used to coach. I think I allowed myself to believe that they would be better than they should be, given how very, 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 very tiny a country this is. You know, if you look at this in terms of population pools, and we've 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 talked about this before, and we've discussed, you know, the the overachieving of of, of Uruguay and, and how good they are, and they shouldn't be with a population of only was it three point three million people. Well, this is a population. Excuse me, a population of actual Qatari nationals. I think the entire population of the country is about two million. Of actual Qatari nationals, uh, I can't remember the figure. I think it's just under four hundred thousand people. So it's you know this is this is like having a national team of I don't know give me a Spanish city with that size population Phil the national team of Malaga no Malaga's bigger than that isn't it Malaga Bilbao yeah. maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's true it's true it does put things uh, into context but uh, yeah I was, uh, I was very pleased to see Ecuador win yesterday and their fans uh, their fans seem to enjoy it I liked watching Unlike Purvis Estupiñan all in yellow again that, was, that, that felt like a homecoming yes 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 former Villarreal ace uh, Pervis Estupiñan and former holder of the title of La Liga's uh, best name. Uh, yeah. We'll ask you a bit more about the experience in Qatar, what you've seen, what you've experienced, the general feel you have for this most unusual and controversial of World Cups after you've been there a, a few more days because by your own admission you've not really been out of the media centre in, in, in fairness that happens at a lot of World Cups it, it does it's, it's a flaw of, of, of the job and it's also a flaw in part in truth of, of, the, of the way that I do the job as well which uh, I think at times is is, um, is possibly a, bit, a little bit too focused on the actual work but anyway there we go uh, let's uh, let's talk about well, essentially the reason why you're there, and that's to cover uh, yeah. Spain. They play their first game against Costa Rica on Wednesday at uh, 5 p.m. Uh, Central European time, uh, Spanish time, and there was some pretty big news in, in the last couple of days over the weekend. Jose Luis Gaia sent home the Valencia captain, and Alejandro Balde, the Barcelona teenage fullback, has been called up. Surprised by either decision, Sydney? No, um, not enormously. I mean, I wondered if Luis Enrique might hold back on Gaia and decide, OK, he's not fully fit, but we wait for him. Um, I think he decided that he didn't want to leave Jordi Alba in an exposed position in which, um, you know, there might be a card or an injury and then, and then he's got Gaia and Gaia might not be fit in time until the, the, the following uh, phase of the competition and that that was risky. So I'm not enormously surprised he did it, but I thought there was half a chance that he might hang on. I wondered if whether the inclusion of Laporte as a left-back against a man... Um, I mean, fundamentally, it was just to put someone there because someone had to play there. But also, I wondered if that was actually about thinking, right, 
do I maybe do this and look at versatility and bring someone who's not a left back in? So obviously the first thing is the surprise about Gaia going. Not a huge surprise, but I did wonder if he might wait. Then the decision is, was it going to be Balde? Again, not a huge surprise, but I wondered if he might have thought about a, a, you know someone with a versatility to, to maybe use other positions. But but actually, you know, this is probably the logical choice. I mean, I don't know who else. I would have personally taken Alex Moreno for what it's worth. But but you know, um, I, I'm not that surprised that it's that it's Balde. Uh, you and a lot of people, including me, Sydney. Yeah, uh, in, yeah. including me. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard. You probably wouldn't being there, but. Uh, you're one of your colleagues, Ricardo Rossetti, was on uh, TV last night, Spanish TV, and he was saying that he'd been told, or I don't know if he said if this was information or, or opinion, that, that Spanish phrase, but he said, yeah. I think he'd been told that um, if Gaia played centre-back or if he played in another part of the team or another position on the pitch, he'd have stayed. It's that they felt really exposed right. at left back, exactly. such a specific position. So yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, that, that yeah. that's Ricardo. I saw Ricardo, Ricardo today. Actually, that that's Ricardo yes. um, essentially saying, you know, kind of. I'm quite glad that he said that. If that is information, because it kind of backs up yeah. my my feeling on it, which was that yeah. you don't risk it being just Jordi Alba. If it's yeah. a centre back, you've got a couple of others. You've even got Rodri. By the way, I wouldn't be that surprised to see Rodri play a game or maybe even more than a game at centre back during this tournament. Um, at centre back, you've got other alternatives. At left back, if the only alternative Alba who um, for lots of reasons you could lose because he's had injury problems because he's essentially a sprinter you know fast twitch muscle and all that sort of stuff that tends to lead to tears and pulls and so on uh, he's also a player who frankly is a bit mouthy at times and gets himself occasionally in suspension problems and so I, I think I think you feel a bit more exposed with him than had it been a position where you can maybe double up yeah uh, you watched training today uh, regular listeners to the podcast will have heard us last week uh, both individually try and predict our starting 11s for the first game which I think they were pretty similar uh, any changes to that starting 11 based on what you might have seen today? Uh, not so much based on what I might have seen today although a little bit of that but also conversations with people who've been watching training and, and, okay. and so on I, 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 I wonder whether we may see um, certainly in the Costa Rica game when, when I think Costa Rica are likely to play very defensively and uh, you know, did an interview with their, with their manager and he talked about accepting the fact that Spain would have the ball but not wanting to have it in certain parts of the pitch and, and what he said didn't contradict the idea that I think we all have that Costa Rica will be very defensive and I wonder if in a scenario like that Luis Enrique might be tempted to draw even more well I was going to say even more heavily continue his recent experiment with Marco Asensio at central forward uh, as a false nine and, and, and to so that it's not a fixed position to mark which Alvaro Morata would be more like one so I wonder if that might might lean us towards seeing Asensio rather than Morata Morata's not um, I think Morata has not trained someone told me at one of the sessions that he'd missed uh, I don't think it was he was out there today uh, I saw yeah. him today but I think he might have missed one of the earlier sessions or done part of it on his own yeah he had um, a tummy bug I think yeah and so I, I just wonder if if that leans me towards towards Asensio as a false nine for the Costa Rica game if maybe not for the Germany game now I think there's something really interesting about this group mm -hmm. which is that quite apart from the fact that it's three pretty good sides and I think it's genuinely a group where you could possibly not get through it I mean I genuinely think there is half a chance that Spain don't get through it I think they should win it but I think there's half a chance they don't get through it. But it's not just that. It's three sides from three different continents. Again, it's not even that, really. But I think it's three sides that pose very different types of challenges to Spain. Now, Spain, broadly speaking, are a team that always play the same way. We know that. Mm -hmm. 
right? They're a team that, that, that you know, want the possession. They want to carry the ball up the pitch to the other team. They want to push very high. They want the ball back quickly. They, they want to, to dominate from a position of that, that great word that they always say in Spain, um, Spain, which is prop on air. You know, we're the ones that propose a game, if you see what I mean, rather than just react to a game. Um, and yet I think these three teams are significantly different or sufficiently significantly different that I think we might see a slightly different Spain approach in each one of them. And as I say, I think the centre forward is one of those. So I think we might see a false nine in this game, but maybe not in the other games, for example. I think we might see a different type of defence in this game than in other games based on the kind of forwards they're up against. And so I, I think that while there is a clarity of identity for Spain, I think, shall I use the word, I think those matices might be different in these three games. And I think they might be really, really quite different as well. Uh, matices, caveats. Yeah, nuances or, yeah, I don't know what, what to best call it in this context. Uh, we are podding uh, over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We're continuing to pod uh, throughout the World Cup, so why not consider becoming a patron for just $4 pounds, euros a month? Get a bonus podcast every week, you get a Q&A podcast every week and lots of extra content. So uh, come and join us over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Um, okay, so is there any chance, Sydney? is there any chance that Asensio and Morata can start because Marco Asensio in theory he's yeah. a wide player he's a yeah. wide player in theory but you said last week on our patrons podcast that it felt to you pretty clear that Asensio's role in this Spain squad is as a central false nine or a central attacker not as a yeah. wide player that's certainly the way that Luis Enrique is discussing him and talking about him uh, and that's been really really clear um, the fact that he only took one other actual centre forward which of course is, is Alvaro Morata that he didn't take Borja Iglesias that in his explanation and one of the great things about Luis Enrique is he does always explain you know he gives real depth to, and, and he helps you understand what he's trying to do even if you don't agree even if you think he's mad you understand that there's a process there and a, and a, and a, and a logic to it um, and he made it very very clear when describing his thought process with that that this is because he sees Marco Asensio as someone he can mould into a false nine after the game uh, against Jordan he talked about how he'd actually tried to stop Marco Asensio doing some of the things that he does because he wants him to be more of a number nine he said you know he has a tendency to move all over the pitch I'm trying to limit his movements I'm trying to concentrate them in certain areas of the pitch he's very definitely trying to say I don't want to lose that mobility but I want it if you like a bit more focused um, a bit more focused on being a number nine and I just don't know if you put that much investment into it to then go on the wing. Now, that's not to say that in key moments, in key games, it might not happen. I think it, it may well do. Uh, and I think he wants versatility. But I think that he is seeing this as a chance to do something else. It makes me think as well, I don't know about you, that he sees Ansu as not a guy to go through the middle. So Ansu, even though if he's there as a goal scorer, I think he sees him almost as a David Villa goal scorer. You know, that, the goal scorer coming in on the diagonal from the left. Um, and, and so I think that is, that is where the balance lies. So my feeling is I would be surprised if it was Morata and Asensio. I think it's either or. For me, the doubt, I suppose, is who flank, which two players flank the forward. I would guess at, I would guess at Ansu. I would guess at Ansu. And I would guess on the other side at Ferran. Um, but, uh, but let's see if we get any clues tomorrow. Let's see if we get any clues tomorrow when we'll have the uh, pre-match press conference on match day minus one. Have you been watching Luis Enrique's Twitch streams, Sid and 
to the listeners as well? The question is for all of you. No, not really. If only because there hasn't really been time. And, I, you know, I, I, I like the fact that there's more material to deal with, but, of course, there isn't the time to deal with the more material. So I've been kind of taking... Uh, sort of taking note of the quotes that have come out rather than watching them live. I thought it was an extraordinary le- revelation yesterday to tell us that this man who is an Asturiano, who is from Asturias, doesn't like cheese. I mean, the, the home of Cabrales, and he says he doesn't yes. like cheese. Yeah, it's almost like being Greek and not eating fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which, is, uh, which is me. But yes, uh, a lot has come out of those interesting uh, Twitch streams. He's just an unbelievably charismatic guy, isn't he? I mean, just watching him... I think he's brilliant. (laughs) I I think he's a fabulous nutter. Um, It's a good description. And and I I, I don't know if you've read it today. Uh, I actually haven't read the final piece, but I was talking to the journalist writing it. There's a piece in El País today about one of the things that Luis Enrique did, and I thought it was an interesting way of looking at it. One of the things that Luis Enrique did was basically publicly make the point that his daughter is dating Ferran Torres. Mm. And I think dating is a, is a, is a very old-fashioned word. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a partnership. They're, they're a genuine partnership. It's, it's a serious thing. It's not just, Night you know, a, couple. a bit of a... Partnership a bit of a, is something else, yeah. Yeah, sorry, that's They're not very going expanded. into business together. Well, maybe they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They might well be, yeah. yeah. Um, they're, 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 they're genuinely they're a couple. A couple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, you know, what I mean is it's, it's not just sort of some, sort of some recent thing. Um, <laughs> And, and what I thought was interesting about this was that this hasn't ever really been an issue in a land, in a land where these kind of things sometimes are turned into an issue. Mm. And I thought that Luis Enrique's decision to mention this and make a thing of it struck me as another example. And, and, and I say this, I mean, you know, I say it struck me. It's, it's more that I had the conversation with a guy who's written this in El Pais, and I thought it was a really interesting way of looking at it. As, as kind of another example of Luis Enrique, if you like, sort of taking control of the narrative. I deal with this in my time and on my terms. And it was just because there was a question about, you know, which, some, what was the question? It was something about Del Bosque used to say he would love to be Sergio Busquets. Which player would you like to be or which player do you most identify with or something like that? And his answer was, well, I better say Ferran or otherwise my daughter will, was it? My daughter will cut my legs off or something like that. I can't remember what it was now. Um, and and I, I think there was something quite interesting in that because what he's done is he's, he's naturalised something that at some point could possibly have rebounded against him and taken control of it in terms of the, the management of it. And I actually thought that was quite interesting. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I hadn't thought about it at all. I didn't particularly care. But talking to this colleague, I sort of thought, you know what, you're sort of right. This is part of the way that Luis Enrique kind of basically, you know, grabs things and says, I'll deal with this. Mm-hmm. Well, he's doing them every night at 8pm Spanish time. If you'd like to... It's not in. very helpful. It's 10 o'clock here. Yeah. yeah. It's not very helpful. But anyway, there we go. I mean, I don't know if, if they're going to do one on, on, on match day. I presume not. Certainly not at that time. But uh, uh, It would be really funny if he actually did it from the dressing room as a team's about to go out. Lads, I've got a team talk for you. I'll just look down the comments <laughs> down the right-hand side of the page. Uh, Dave, well, Dave, it won't be Dave, obviously. Uh, Javi from Zaragoza. Javi from Zaragoza says, we love you, lads, go out and do it. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, Gonzalo from Oviedo says, we hate you, you're a bunch of morons. Yes. Innovative, he is an innovator, uh, so let's see how far he He's takes He's definitely these, an innovator, I, I, I love it. I do think some of it is kind of sort of daftness for its own sake, but it's in a way it's kind of expressing, I want to do this, so I'm going to. Mm. There's that lovely Spanish phrase. How would you explain this in English? He is desacomplejado. 
He doesn't give a shit. He's got no hang-ups. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. That's, that's it. He doesn't give a shit. That's, that's the answer, isn't yeah. it? It's, he's desacomplejado. It's a polite way of saying he don't give a yeah. shit. Yeah, that's it's true. true. Uh, let's see how Luis Enrique's Spain side get on in that uh, first game against Costa Rica on, on Wednesday. Uh, some other World Cup stuff and obviously uh, some important news relating to the best player in the world and the biggest star in La Liga and central striker for Real Madrid with Karim Benzema being out for for France it's it's a big big emotional yeah. psychological blow for him but it shouldn't necessarily come as a huge surprise should it given what's happened over the last month or so with his fitness it shouldn't and yet I will be honest it does because while we knew that he wasn't fully fit and I actually had someone saying to me look he's in a bad way mm. And I kind of brushed it off. I'll be honest with you, because the, one, of the, the, one of the people who told me that, two different people told me that, one of them is one of these guys who tells me a lot of things in a very conspiratorial sort of way. <laughs> and I always, I'm always a bit like, yeah, all yeah, right, mate. whatever, mate. Yeah. Um, and I was told he was in a pretty bad way, and he didn't play a lot. And I think we knew that, you know, there was a problem. But I'll be honest with you, and possibly I was too cynical with this, I felt, yeah, there's a problem that it's the kind of problem that you run a risk with if there isn't a World Cup coming. And so I was relatively confident in my own mind, and, and it really was my own mind, there's no more than that, that he'll be all right. And I suppose in a way he kind of was in that he turned up here, he trained here, he was fit for the squad, and, and, and then, then, you know, just decides, and doesn't just decide, by the way, it's a slightly different injury, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's the thigh, and it wasn't really the thigh before, although, although everything is kind of connected. And I, I just think it's, I, I think it's really sad, and I think it's particularly sad with Benzema, um, seen from a, a, a footballing point of view and I, I, I sort of you know at this point I realise that the context of this is that he was out of the national team for a reason right and, and, and I'm not going to try and hide from that I'm not going to try and pretend that was nice and I'm not going to you know I know there will be a lot of people saying I don't feel sorry for him at all because he was out of the national team for a really quite unpleasant reason but the fact that this is a guy who hadn't been with the France squad for a very long time who has been arguably the best French player of his generation certainly for the last five or six years um, and, and you know obviously Mbappé maybe is going to come along and replace him but I think for the last five or six years he probably has but sort of wasn't always recognised because he wasn't a French national team player didn't take part in them winning the World Cup was brought back in won the Ballon d'Or there was kind of that sense that it all builds to this and, and that, that, that kind of recognition which has been belated is coming and that maybe this could be his tournament and so yeah I, 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 it, it's sad I think it is. It is a little bit. But here's the thing. Apparently he's going to be out for, is it maybe three weeks? And France haven't called anyone up to replace him. So, so why not just sort of stay there and try and... I don't know. I mean, what's the point in him leaving? Well, if if they are not going to call up anyone well, else? Also, well, also, that's the question for me. Why haven't they called up anyone else? Yeah. Right? Because, because if, if you are actually ruling him out, or maybe they're thinking, well, we don't call up anyone else, and maybe he goes back to Madrid, rehabilitates, and if he thinks he's all right, we bring him back out here. But at that point, they will, of course, have a settled team. I don't anticipate him playing a role, even if he does suddenly decide in two or three weeks' time that he's fit, because, of Can course, you, you would that? have built a team by then. Well, I don't know if you have to stay here. Yeah. I mean, if you're still officially in the squad, because although they've said he's gone, if they haven't replaced him, is he officially still in the squad list? I honestly yeah. don't know the answer to this. No, I don't know. I mean, I mean I'm was... assuming he's not, but I honestly, but I, I, and I apologise because I should know the answer to that, but I don't. Um, 
And, you know, I, I think in terms of the structure of the team, it maybe isn't hugely problematic because there was a certain degree of him and Mbappe and Griezmann occupying similar spaces and, and maybe maybe a different type of forward is not a terrible, terrible thing for them. Um, but, it, but it is sad and, you know, he's a, he's a fabulous footballer and, and he's another very good footballer who's not going to be at this World Cup. Mm. You know, it did seem quite eye-catching that they, that they didn't call up anyone to replace yeah, him. Yeah, I so. must admit, I hadn't even realised that until you just told me. So, yeah. so, so, yeah, it's very eye-catching. Maybe, maybe there'll be another twist in a few weeks. That, that, would, be ama- that would be amazing, <laughs> wouldn't it, if they sort of flew him back in again? <laughs> it certainly would. It would be unbelievable. Um, a few hours ago, we had, dear fans of La Liga, the times and dates announced for match day 15 <laughs> in La Liga. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, won't, I won't be at this um, at any of these games which I always sort of thought was quite likely post-World Cup anyway yes. but I must admit I misjudged this because I'd always assumed right they'll come back on the Thursday but I thought yeah but they won't actually come back for, on the Thursday they'll use the whole weekend and they've decided not to so they don't use the Sunday which I was flying back to Madrid which for which is New Year's Day and now I'll be flying back to, I'll be flying back well I'm flying back on New Year's Eve so obviously I'll be back in time for maybe the last half an hour of one of those games <laughs> Now, actually, maybe it may, I might get one of those games on the telly, but I won't be able to get to a stadium for it. Well, here are the games, uh, just in case, you know, you really want something to look forward to and you're absolutely desperate for a La Liga hit. On the Thursday, the 29th of December, at 5 o'clock, you've got Girona Rayo, then 7.15, Betis Athletic Club, and 9.30, Atletico Madrid Elche. These are all Spanish times. Uh, then at 5 o'clock, it's... I won't tell you the times, it doesn't matter. Then you've got Getafe Mallorca, Celta Sevilla, <laughs> Cadiz Almeria. I will tell you that at 9.30pm on the 30th of December, the coldest stadium in the universe, Valladolid, hosts Real Madrid. Wow. 930 30th of December by the lead Real Madrid is, uh, and then on uh, New Year's Eve they've got an early kick off the Barcelona derby as they host uh, Espanyol uh, Real Sociedad against Osasuna and Villarreal against Valencia both kick off at 4.15 local time and then there is no football on New Year's Day because football on New Year's Day Sydney Rincón Cultural is not a thing here it's not no but football in Christmas at all wasn't a thing until the last couple of years no it's true. So they could have just not not done this round of games. There's a bit of me that thinks if you're going to do this round of games, use New Year's Day. I don't really see why not. I mean, people have got hangovers and stuff, but you know, I don't know. It's not I mean, I was, thing to I, New Year's I was Day, suggesting it? it to to Spanish people, and, and and they were they were absolutely mortified at the suggestion. <laughs> okay, of, that's fair of, enough. Of, then. All right, okay. On, on, on the first. Of I mean, I think much worse, obviously, is doing it late on New Year's Eve when people want to go out and and, and you know yes. get the grapes. Well, yeah. So. Um, by about 6pm on New Year's Eve everything will be uh, will be finished uh, in terms of uh, football and yeah, uh, a, yeah. a new year will be upon us but we've still got a few weeks to go before that and there is still dear listener Spanish football continuing during the World Cup because you've got the Segunda División still going and I'm sure you guys do you know the, the day before the day before the World Cup final is the Asturias derby <laughs> now can you imagine if Spain are in it Luis Enrique is going to spend the oh, wow. day before the World Cup final watching Sporting lose to Oviedo yeah. it's brilliant and you're obviously going to fly back for it so that would be uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe me and him could like get a private plane and come back just for the derby <laughs> and then come back here again yeah I might propose that to him yes. I might say to him listen there's, there's a handful of us here who support Asturian teams. Why yes. don't we get like a, a Selección plane, yes. go to the derby together and then fly back to Doha? Yes, 
That sounds like a plan. Um, That'd be awesome. But meanwhile, back in the, in, in the real world, this is what's happening in the Segunda. <laughs> uh, Alaves are top after they drew 0-0 with Eibar on Sunday in a Basque derby. Uh, a point behind them in second are Burgos. They won 1-0 at Rathing. Uh, Las Palmas are third. They drew 1-1 at Levante thanks to a 95th-minute equaliser. Granada, who are now coached by Paco López, uh, are up to sixth after beating Albacete 4-0. And Oviedo drew 1-1 at Ponferradina causing Ponferradina coach Jose Gomez to immediately resign in his post-match press conference. I, 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 love, I love the fact that we, are, we used to be the team. Uh, in fact, we, yeah, we, we probably still are that used to revive moribund teams. Yes. That, you know, clubs that were dying would come and beat us and be revived. Now it seems that if you don't get a result against us, because everyone knows that's what we are, that's it. <laughs> that's, your, that, that's, it. So that's two in a row managers, two managers in a row who've gone because of not beating Oviedo that's how bad we are yes. we are the benchmark of shitness <laughs> and I think we've got our podcast title for today benchmark <laughs> of shitness <laughs> let's, uh, let's leave it on that high note thanks everyone for uh, listening to this week's TSFP there'll be another one next week and there will be lots more content over on our Patreon patreon.com forward slash TSFP we've got dozens of your questions uh, to take so we'll get through them on tomorrow's Q&A pod make sure you join us for that and if you don't it's okay we'll put out another free pod as we always do as we have done for the last 10 years uh, every Monday so uh, join us then adios amigos cheerio Network.